Well, good evening, folks. It's good to see everyone back again this evening. And uh, we do give you a warm word of welcome. And of course, those that are visiting online, we give you a special word of welcome as well. And we're glad that you're able to join with us this evening. And of course, as you all know, as I mentioned this morning, our pastor has come down with uh, COVID and is not able to be with us today. So I'm making some sort of an attempt to stand in in his place. But for our first hymn this morning, I want you to turn to number 603, 603, and we'll stand to sing this great hymn. So let us bring our meeting before the Lord, and we'll ask God's blessing upon us tonight as we pray. Father in heaven, we come before thee again this evening, and Lord, confessing our great need, O Lord, of your help, confessing, O God, without thee we can do nothing. Lord, asking you, O God, to cleanse us afresh from every sin, and Lord, that you would wash us, and Lord, and help us, O God, to know your presence even this night. O oh God, undertake for everything that would be said and done in this meeting tonight. 
And Lord, we do remember, we remember those that are ill, remember in particular our pastor, Lord, Dr. Saunders, that thou would put your hand upon him, Lord, to bring him to full health eh, speedily and help him, my God, to re-engage in the work again. Lord, undertake it for Jill as well, Lord. We ask you, God, that thou would bless her, Lord, as her work continues in the school. We pray your blessing to be upon her indeed. O God, fill her daily with the Holy Spirit to give her direction and guidance. So, Lord, we commit them unto thee, asking you, Lord, as they lead this work, that you would give them much wisdom and strength. And, Lord, we pray for every member of this church, God, that thou would help them, Lord, to know direction in their lives, that their steps, Lord, would be ordered by the Lord. O God, do undertake for us. We remember, Lord, both Stephen and Carl Kelly tonight. We bring them before thee, praying, O Lord, that thou would be pleased to bless them and give them journeying mercies, as God willing they will travel over to BC, Lord. We pray, O God, that you would go before them, Lord, and go with them. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would grant them journeying mercies. Just help them, Lord, concerning their health, Lord, we pray especially for Stephen, God, that you would help him, Lord. Thou knowest his issues, and we pray, Lord, that you would just touch his body and bring him, Lord, to full health and strength. God, we're thankful, Lord, to see your brother Ron here tonight, and I pray for him. O God, that thou would encourage him, that you would help him, uplift him. No, Lord, if it is thy mind, O God, that thou can even dismiss this from his body. There is nothing, Lord, too hard for thee, and God, thou can doest all things. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, above all things, that you would encourage him and help him to know the, the, the joy of the Lord in his life, regardless of his circumstances. So help him and help Heather, remembering Serene, Lord. It was good to see her in the, in the church as well, Lord. And we pray that you would be pleased to bless her, Lord, and encourage her, uplift her, and be with her, Lord. And just, I pray, Lord, that you would even touch her body, Lord, to bring her to full health and strength. And there's many others, Lord, that is going through issues, Lord. We, we bring them all before thee, O God. And we remember even Dr. McClellan, Lord. Remember Duncan and Joan, Lord. And, and so many others, Lord. Uh, so many of our seniors, Lord. Our list, it goes on and on now. And I pray, Lord, that thou would be pleased to meet every one of them at the point of their need, to encourage them, to help them, and to be with them. But Father in heaven, we are very mindful of uh, our need uh, for you to come in a mighty way even this night, Lord, uh, for me and for the congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, deliver me from my uh, stammerings and stumblings, and I pray, Lord, that you would be pleased to make your word and uh, clear to the people that they would understand it. And, Lord, as the word is read, O God in heaven, let it speak uh, according to thy will. So, Lord, we do commit this meeting unto you, and we ask your blessing to be upon it, remembering, O God, that we need you day by day throughout this week. Of a truth, Lord, we know not what a day will bring forth, but praise God, we speak with one now that knoweth all things. And Lord, we ask you, whatever is our lot, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to meet it in a way that will be honoring and glorifying to thy name. So God, we commit it all to you now, asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our second hymn is uh, hymn number 362, and again we'll stand to sing this hymn as well, 362. It's a well-known hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft to Me.
Amen. You may be seated. Can I just ask you again to turn to Numbers chapter 20? I want to read these verses again. So verses 1 through 13 of Numbers chapter 20. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves to gather against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord uh, into this wilderness, uh, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed, or of figs, or of vines, or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock, before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. Amen. You know the Lord will bless the reading of his own divine word. So the announcements eh, indeed are as follows. You all know who I am. <laughs> I, and I'll be hopefully speaking tonight again. And uh, so Wednesday night will be the prayer meeting at 7.30. And God willing, our pastor will be well enough uh, to be back with us again. And then, of course, don't forget the, the gym night on uh, Friday night uh, from 7 to 9. And then we're looking forward to, again, want to bring your, uh, to your attention again the visit of uh, Mr. Jonathan Eccles. He is a student of the Whitfield Seminary over in Northern Ireland. And God willing, he will be with us here in August 21st. And uh, just keep that in mind because we, we hope to move the fellowship time forward by one week 
uh, for rather than the, the last Sunday of the month, just forward one week, so that we can have a time uh, that he can meet the congregation and get to know us a little bit better. So just keep that in mind as well. Uh, so next Lord's Day, as I said, God willing, uh, the, our pastor will be back again. And uh, yeah, and of course, do remember a pastor in prayer that he will make a full and fast recovery from this COVID. And uh, so next Lord's Day, both services uh, will be uh, taken by Dr. Saunders. And do keep in mind that we were supposed to have the, the, the communion service it, uh, this morning, but uh, due to the sickness of our pastor, we postponed it to next Sunday. So it will be next Sunday evening. Uh, I think I neglected to mention that this morning. So keep that in mind. For next Sunday evening, the communion service will be held. And then the. Uh, so then the following, that would be August 26th. Keep in mind, too, for those that are taking part in the Sunday school training, uh, the Reverend Ian Gallagher will be there at 7 p.m. on August 26 to take that meeting and uh, to uh, continue in the, in the studies of preparing to be a Sunday school teacher. Do remember all our special prayer requests. There is a list of them there, and all our seniors. I'm not going to list them all off again, but I do ask you to pray much for them that the Lord would meet them at the point of their need and answer the cries of their hearts and their uh, cries of our hearts for them as well. So we're, I think that is all the announcements, and uh, we're going to have our offering hymn, and we'll remain seated for this. It is 550, 550. Search me, O God.
I want us to turn again to Numbers chapter 20. I just want to read some further verses down this chapter before we commence with uh, this service. So Numbers chapter 20. I'll, I'll commence at the verse 22. And the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, journeyed from Kadesh and came unto Hor. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the coast of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, and he shall not enter into the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, because ye rebelled against my words at the water of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son, and bring them up into the Mount Hor, and strip Aaron off his garments, and put them upon Eleazar his son. And Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, and he shall die there. And Moses did as the Lord commanded. Amen. We'll end our reading there. Let us just bow in a moment's prayer. Heavenly Father, as we recommence again, Lord, even in this message, I pray, O God, from the offset, that the Holy Spirit would be in the midst, that you would help. God, help me, Lord, as I open my mouth. I pray that you would fill it. And I pray, Lord, that everything that would be done and said would be to the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the desire of my heart. O God, I know, Lord, that we often fail thee and we make statements that we want to honor thee. Yet, Lord, we, the flesh is weak and we fail. But, Lord, we are asking for your presence to be in the midst this night. And we commit this meeting unto your care, asking this all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, we, we just want to continue with this message, uh, what is the big deal? We, we dwelt mostly in Exodus chapter 17, and uh, of course, where the rock give forth water, and that God had uh, told Moses to smite the rock. And then we made some parallels with Numbers chapter 20, and where this time it was, he was told only to speak to the rock. And of course, he, we learned that he disobeyed, and his man, this great, great man of God, indeed fell at, uh, at the last hurdle, if you like, and uh, he, uh, he, he disobeyed God. And uh, the, uh, this is where we're going to take up our story. We reached a point, and I said that you could ask a lot of questions. And, he said, and of course, the first question was, why was Aaron blamed as well as Moses? Second question was, what happened to Moses? After all, this man was the hero of the faith. He was the meekest of all men, and uh, uh, yet he fell at this point. So whatever happened to him? Third question is, uh, what was the big sin in smiting the rock instead of speaking to it as he was commanded? Well, I want to take them just in order. And why was Aaron blamed as well as Moses? Well, the truth is we cannot be absolutely sure, and I certainly cannot be dogmatic in my conclusions on this, and you may or may not agree with me, but nonetheless, I'm going to give you my reasoning. And because we're not told, we're not exactly told why, and so we cannot be dogmatic about it. But there's one thing for sure. We can be absolutely certain that God was just and right 
in what he did in his actions. That part we can be dogmatic about, because God doeth all things well. We can look at other parts of Scripture, and we can draw conclusions from that. We um, can at least get suggestions as to why this might happen. And the first thing we notice is that there's no reason given. There's no reason given as to why Aaron did what he did, whereas indeed with Moses there is a reason given, and I will deal with that later when we're dealing with Moses, but not with Aaron. Now, I do think I need to spend some time in saying, because I'm going to bring some criticisms upon Aaron, but I need to spend some time in saying that he was a good man. He was a great man. He was a prophet, and he was the first Levitical priest. In Exodus chapter 7, in the verse 1, we read this here, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Aaron was a humble man, like Moses. And he was ready to stand in the gap like Moses. He was ready even to be wronged by his people. And he loved his people. And he was there standing with uh, Moses uh, to uh, do the work of God. But just, just like us, this great man, he had flaws. He had flaws. I think, I think you could probably say that he was somewhat of a weak emotionally. But before I get to that, I want to dwell in, in, in some of the things that Aaron did that proves that he was a mighty man of God. If you remember in your studies in the rebellion of Korah in Numbers chapter 16 and the verse 22, at that point, a, it was Moses and Aaron that fell on their faces before the Lord that he would not destroy the whole congregation, even though they were murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Aaron, being obedient to Moses, he ran right into the midst of them, even though the plague had already broken out amongst the people. And he ran in right into the midst of the people and pleading with God for them, and uh, that the judgment of God would not uh, come upon them. And he, he took a censer, and then it says in the verse 30, or 48, rather, uh, that he stood between the living and the dead, and the plague was stead. And then Numbers 16 again, Numbers 16 in the verse 49 says this, And they that died in the plague were 14,700, beside them that died about the matter of Korah. Aaron could have easily have said, Let the judgment of God fall upon them. They've given us nothing only trouble from the day and hour we left Egypt, and they've, they've given us nothing only abuse. And even though the judgment of God is clear, clearly working against them, eh, they're still murmuring against us. And you're asking me, Moses, to run into the middle of them? He could have easily have said that, but he didn't. He was ready to stand in the gap for his people. So he was a good man. And Miriam, too, was a good woman. Indeed, she was a prophetess. And so I'm going to bring some criticism against her as well. So I want to make that very clear. These are good people. These are godly people, very godly people. Eh, but they do have flaws, and they do have feelings. So with all this said, I think it, 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 you could say that Aaron was more of a follower. He wasn't a leader like Moses, so he's more of a follower. And maybe I could say that he was weak emotionally because he caved in a lot of times under pressure. He caved in. 
And so I want to draw your attention to some of those examples from the Word of God even tonight. In Numbers 12, and in the verse 1, if you want to turn to it, Numbers 12 and the verse 1, it is the story of, it says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. If you study into this passage, you will have to conclude that it was indeed Miriam that started this, and it was her that led the way. And Aaron, again, being weak emotionally, followed her when he should have stood against her. Even the judgment of God that came again, Miriam, came against Miriam would show that she was the instigator. And of course, Aaron runs then to Moses to ask him to plead uh, with God. And Moses, being the humble man that he was, did exactly that. And he pleaded with God. And in due time, uh, um, Miriam was indeed healed and restored back in uh, to the, the fellowship of the children of Israel. But the more serious time was when Moses and Joshua was up receiving uh, the Ten Commandments. And uh, we learn about this they, in Exodus 32. And I just want to read the verse 23. And this is, this is Aaron speaking. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we ought not what has become of him. You see, he, he, he obviously caved in under pressure again from the people. Moses wasn't with him to strengthen him, and they, the people came to him, and they said to him, we don't know what has happened to this Moses. You make us gods. And his excuse was pretty feeble. If you read that uh, portion of Scripture, when he come back and Moses said to him, what, what happened? And he says, well, I, I got the, the golden earrings, and I, I, I cast them into the pot, and out came this calf. In other words, it wasn't really his fault. Uh, and that was, his, that was all the excuse that he offered. Uh, but you, so you can see that again he caved in under pressure. And then there's another portion, a portion of Scripture. I want you to turn to this one, Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. And it is, of course, the story about uh, Aaron's two sons, uh, Nahab and Abihu, and how they were struck dead by the Lord because they offered strange fire. So Leviticus chapter 10, and the verse 1 reads, And Nahab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Well, if you, if you look at a... I think we should look at the verse 3 first and what Moses said. I just want to read what Moses said to Aaron. And it seems a little bit strange what he actually had to say, considering Aaron has just lost his two sons. This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. But then if you look down at the verse 8, and this is the first words that the Lord says to Aaron. This is the first words, and he speaks directly to him. 
And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee. When ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So was Aaron's two sons drunk? Were they drunk with strong drink? I, anyone that knows me knows that I'm opposed to alcohol of any amount because I've seen enough of it in my unsaved days. It put my father in an early grave. He died an alcoholic. And so I've seen enough of it and what it did. So I'm opposed to it. But if, this poor, if, this, if alcohol had no part in this story, it seems a very strange thing for the Lord to say to Aaron just after the death of his two sons. So I would suggest that his two sons was indeed drunk and that Aaron did not stop them. He didn't step in. Again, being weak emotionally, he should have stopped them. And if, you, if, you go, if this here is true, that they were drunk, it makes more sense than what Moses said to him. And Moses said unto Aaron, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Did Aaron know that he should have stopped them? Is it possible that he's seen them getting drunk and they were doing things that was wrong? And it's like what Moses said to him. He says, Aaron, you need to take this serious. This is serious business, what you're doing. We're not playing around here. And we need to take it serious. We need to take it serious when we come to worship God. We're not playing around. God will not be mocked. And he hates hypocrites. He hates those that put on a show of godliness, but deep down, they're far from him. And so we need to take it serious, folks. God will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. So is it, is it possible that in this account of Numbers chapter 20, that Moses once again, that he caved in under pressure? And once again, perhaps he was amongst those that even joined with those that provoked Moses into saying things uh, that he ought not to have said and uh, that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Now, this kind of runs in to the next question. What happened to Moses? What went wrong with this man? This man is a hero of the faith, a great man that we all admire and speak much about. And in... in, uh, In Numbers chapter 12 and the verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's, that's some commendation. That is, that is some praise from the Lord to have that said about you. That is incredible. And then you ask the question, what went wrong? What went wrong with Moses? Why did he fall? Why did he go wrong? Was he weary? I don't know. He certainly was older at this, at this time, at this point in life. So he was, but... Sometimes when you're looking at Bible characters, it is hard to know exactly what was going on in their life. It's hard to know exactly what they were thinking at that point. And sometimes you can go off in the wrong direction. But thankfully, from the Word of God, we can get little insights into what uh, they were thinking 
and, and what way and why they acted the way they acted. I want you to turn to Psalm 106. Psalm 106, and I just want to read two verses from that psalm. It's the verse 32 and 33 of Psalm 106. And this, of course, is speaking about this very portion of Scripture in uh, uh, this account that happened in Numbers chapter 20, and is speaking about Moses. So the verse 32 says, They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. As I've said, this man was a hero of the faith. He was a godly man. He spoke with God face to face, but he fell at the last hurdle. He fell at the last hurdle. He was just about to enter into the promised land, and considering everything that he had been through and all that had happened from they left Egypt until now, almost 40 years later, it's incredible. And it's sad, actually, to think about it, this mighty man of God and how he fell at the last. I tell you, that is a great warning for us all that is getting older. It's a great warning. We need never think that we are above falling, not one of us. We must always remember that we are, at best, sinners saved by grace. And we must plead with God continually for grace to live a life that is glorifying in his sight. We have to guard ourselves, folks. We have to guard ourselves constantly eh, by prayer and asking for the infilling of God the Holy Ghost. We often, as we get older, we get less guarded with what we say. We say things that perhaps as a younger person we wouldn't say. I don't know why it is that we feel that we have the right to do that, but as we get older, we do. We get more bolder. And sometimes we can say things that is not right, things that are even hurtful eh, to others. Eh, But nonetheless, this is what we do. And this is what perhaps Moses did here, being an older man, that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. So we need to be careful that we don't speak unadvisedly with our lips. Well, what made him do it? Well, the first thing we notice here in the verse 32 is that they angered him. They angered him. Now, was this something that the devil knew about Moses? He was a very passionate man. If you remember that he slew the Egyptian back in Egypt, he obviously had very strong emotions and very, uh, perhaps, a temper. Was this something that the devil knew that he could get Moses on? that once he could get the people to anger him, he knew that he had him indeed were a, exactly where he wanted him. You see, to be passionate is a very good thing, and I love to hear passionate preachers preaching from their heart. But when that passion turns into a rage and becomes anger, then it's over. We have lost control. We have lost control completely. And uh, this is something actually runs in my own family. I could say that my own father was a very ill-tempered man, whereas my my mother was the opposite. I never seen her in a bad temper in my life, never raised her voice ever once. But my father was, and that uh, passed on to some of us, some of the children, and even as a younger man, 
I could see that that indeed was with me. I could indeed lose my temper quite easily. And it is something that I have to guard against. And it is something that I, I learned that if I can use my own pride against it, or against it to try and guard myself. Because to lose your temper is weak. You have lost control, and that is weak. Now, what man wants to be weak? There's no man wants to be weak. And so I say to myself every time, or at least most of the time when I can feel myself getting into a temper or rage, I say, it's weak. You don't want to be weak. You keep control. You keep control. So passion is a good thing, but be careful it doesn't turn into a rage because then you have lost it. It's like, if I could put it this way, it's like a a soldier going into battle and in a rage he takes his gun and he fires it at the enemy. And now he's defenseless and he's easy picking for the enemy. Well, that's exactly what it is when a child of God loses their temper. He's easy picking for the devil. And this is exactly what happened uh, to, to Moses here. He was a passionate man. And of course, uh, perhaps the devil uh, knew that about him. The next thing we notice here is that they provoked him. They provoked him. So they provoked him. They pushed him into doing something that he wouldn't normally have done. And this verse goes on to say that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Now, what does unadvisedly mean? Well, it certainly carries the meaning of done without due consideration, uh, to speak rashly, to be uh, or angrily, and to speak thoughtlessly. You're careless in what you say because you've lost your temper and you say things that you ought not to say. But you can't take them back. They've already went out of your lips. And even though you say you're sorry, the people that they were said to will find it hard to forget that. And so we have to be constantly on our guard against that. And I think this is exactly what happened to Moses at this time. Being angered and provoked, eh, he said things that he ought not to have said or he wouldn't normally have done. And maybe in a rage, his mind went back to the, the, the previous eh, passage in, in Exodus or the previous situation in Exodus chapter 17 where he was told to strike the rock. So in a rage, he wasn't thinking rationally at this point. So in a rage, he simply took the rod and he smacked the rock twice, disobeying God, because he wasn't thinking rationally at that point. Now, we still have the question, why was Aaron punished for this? Why was Aaron punished for this? Was he part of the reason? Was he part of the reason that Moses was angered, that he was provoked, that he spake unadvisedly with his lips? Did he, did, he, did he take part? Did he finally cave in to the crowd? We can't be sure about that. But we do know that the man did cave in on other occasions. So we cannot be, give a, a dogmatic answer to this question completely and say this is exactly what happened. So I'm making suggestions of what might have happened. And as I've said before, there is one thing for sure. God's actions were just and right. There is none of us would say God was wrong in what he did. God is the only one that can make true judgments. 
We can't make true judgments, not unless it's given to us from the Holy Spirit, because our whole, our whole being is, is tinted with sin. And we try and we think we can make true judgments, and many times have we been proven wrong. And only God knows what's right, and only God knows what's wrong. And that's why we have to continue a cry unto God to ask Him uh, to give us the Holy Spirit uh, to guide us into all truth. Even the way that uh, Aaron was, was judged in this matter, and I did read those verses before we began this, and uh, in the verse 26, and uh, of course Moses was commanded to take Aaron and to take Eleazar, his son, up in the sight of the people and to take them up the mountain and to strip him there of his garments and give them and put them on Eliezer, his son. And there he died, and there he was going to be gathered unto his people. A very humiliating thing for, to happen to this man. So in many ways, at least in my sight, the, the judgment seems to be more severe upon Aaron than it is upon Moses. Because Moses was allowed to view the promised land. He was allowed to go up and look at, at it. And he uh, was indeed actually buried by the hand of God. And of course, no man knew of his burying place, but he was buried. It seems to be more honorable, more dignified than to what happened to Aaron. But as I said, the judgments of God are right and they are just. And, they, they, and this, whatever happened uh, or whatever Moses, sorry, Aaron did, it was a very serious matter that caused God to bring that judgment upon him. Now, that brings me to the last question. What was the big sin in smiting the rock instead of speaking to it? So that's why I titled this message, What's the Big Deal? After all, Moses was told in Exodus chapter 17 to smite the rock. So, why, why can I not smite it again? What's the big deal in doing that? It's an interesting question. And uh, it's certainly the first thing I think we have to ask ourselves, what does the rock represent? What does the rock represent? And of course, we're told, we did deal with that this morning, but I'm going to uh, deal with it again. Of course, we're told that, uh, that the Apostle Paul tells us in First. A Corinthians a chapter 10 and the verse 4. And, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So there's no disputing. There's no disputing uh, what the rock represented. It represented Christ. See, that, that spiritual rock that followed them, you remember the angel of the Lord that led them Exodus 13 and the verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. So this, of course, was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ that spoke to Moses in the rock when he asked him to, to, to go up and he says, I will stand before thee there upon the rock. And then he commanded him to smite the rock. 
And of course, as I said this morning, this represents the Lord Jesus many, many years later when he went on Calvary's cross. And there he bore, he bore the, the full wrath of God in payment for our sins, not for his own, but in payment for our sins. So the wrath of God, if you like the rod, came down upon him. There, and this was symbolic of it. Now, the water that flowed from the rock, what does that mean? Well, this is symbolic of the Holy Spirit that was poured out at Pentecost. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 and the verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is what the water represents. This is what the water represents, that it flowed. You see, after Christ was, was crucified on that cross, and then what came next? It was, it was Pentecost. And of course, the Spirit of God was poured out upon his people. And they preached the word with great power. And many were saved at that time. And that's, of course, what it represents at that time. But I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And the verses, I want to read the verses 9 through 12. Hebrews chapter 10. Sorry, I'm asking you to turn to a lot of scriptures here tonight. So Hebrews 10, and the verse 9 says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering sometimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. So what does it say in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and the verse 10? For by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The rock in the wilderness was to be smote once just once. And that's why in Numbers, when this event happened almost 40 years again, 40 years later, and, uh, and that Moses was told just to speak to the rock, just to speak to it, not to smite it. But Moses in his rebellion and in his anger, he lifted up the rod and he smote it, not once but twice. Yet Christ was only to be smitten once. Just once. Can't you see? Can't you see the folly of the Roman Catholic Church? 
in their blasphemy of the Mass, in that they put Christ back on the cross again, as though he was crucified again and again and again continually? Can't you see the blasphemy of that? When we look at what happened eh, to Moses and Aaron, good men, godly men, and yet we see this church doing this continually in the name of God, it is utter and complete blasphemy. See, in Numbers chapter 20, God told Moses to speak to the rock. And just as we are supposed to speak to the rock, Christ Jesus, today in prayer, he was crucified once for us. And once you're saved, you are always saved. If you are truly saved of God, you are truly saved for all eternity. And uh, you will not be saved the second time, nor the third time, nor the fourth time. And you don't need to keep coming to God eh, to ask for continual forgiveness for your sins. And so now, what are we to do when we come to God? We're to plead. We're just to speak to God. We're to speak to God, the, the Son, the, the, and they ask Him to give us the Holy Spirit. And praise God, He hears and He answers our earnest prayers, and He will pour out that water that was symbolically poured out from the rock. And that rock, of course, give forth this water, and that represents the Holy Spirit. And we should drink of that water, folks. We should drink of that water till we can drink no more. And I would to God that he would pour that Spirit, that Holy Spirit, out upon each one of us, even in this meeting tonight, and come upon us in a mighty way. And we should drink to the uttermost. See, sometimes in Scripture, we are tempted to think, God was a little bit harsh there, was he not, in what he did? You're tempted to think that, but never think that. Never think that, because the judgments of God, they're never wrong. They're never wrong. And God alone is right, and it is our ignorance, it is our ignorance that, uh, that uh, we are incapable of making true judgments. So do remember that. Praise God, he said, he will not leave us comfortless. In closing, I want to read some verses from John's Gospel, chapter 14. If you want to turn there, I just want to read two verses. John's Gospel, chapter 14, and I'll read the verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. See, this is the spiritual water that flowed from the rock of wilderness. Ephesians chapter 5 and the verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is access, but be filled with the Spirit. This would have been good advice, perhaps, for Aaron's two sons when they were taking a very light view of the work that they were engaged in, and they allowed themselves to get drunk, perhaps. In a way, we've been journeying through the wilderness today for 40 years, if you like. And as I finished preparing these messages, it did occur to me that 
that I'm kind of taking you right through uh, the wilderness. And so if Egypt represents our own sea of days, when before we came to the Lord, when we were in bondage and in slavery to sin, but Jesus Christ, that rock that was smitten once at the, near the beginning of their travels through the wilderness, it represents, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ paying the price for our sins on Calvary. And so, if Egypt is our own sea of days and represents that, then the wilderness is our pilgrimage through this world as we are traveling through it uh, as a a sea of believers. And then, of course, as we come to the end, and we often refer to the crossing of Jordan, and that is, of course, represents our death when we we don't die, actually, those that are truly saved, for they simply pass from life unto life. And, uh, of course, the promised land represents and speaks to us at at the uh, of heaven. Now, the question that I want to ask is, what side would you have been on? I asked myself that question. Would I have been amongst the complainers? Or would I have been with Moses? I would like to think that I would have been like a Caleb, like a Joshua, like an Ur, like an Aaron. That's what I would like to think. But then I started to think about all the times that I complained and murmured about things that are happening in my life. And I said, perhaps, perhaps I would have been among the murmurs. I don't know. I hope not. I leave that question with you, folks. And we'll just bow in a moment's prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your presence with us this night. I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would write it upon hearts. I pray, dear God, that your word would change hearts, that it would change my heart. O God in heaven, we are longing for that spiritual water to be poured out upon us. I do pray, my Lord, that you would be pleased to fill every believer here with the blessed Holy Spirit, fill them to the uttermost. And God, I ask you, Lord, if there's those and they still don't know you as Lord and Savior. They still haven't repented of their sins. God, I pray that this night would be the night that they would be saved. O Lord in heaven, I ask that you would do a great and mighty work in this church, that you would be pleased to save precious souls, that you would be pleased to restore the backslidden, that you would be pleased to lead your people on with yourself. God, continue with us now, we ask in Jesus' name. I want to sing one final hymn. It is, uh, where am I? So it's uh, 560, and we'll stand to sing this great hymn. Take my life and let it be. 560.
us pray. Father in heaven, we ask you, O God, as we now go our separate ways, we pray that the blessed Holy Spirit would go with each one of us, that you would help us throughout this week to honor and glorify thy name. God, do a work in each one of our hearts and help us, I pray thee, from this day forth to wholly follow after God. So, Lord, we commit this meeting into your care. I commit this congregation into your care asking you that you would bless them throughout this week, whatever they might face. I pray that our God would be with them to carry them through every storm of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.